Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, uh, well, <laughs> welcome to the show. It's Friday, January 11th. And I'm, I've got a smile on my face because um, I, I just came upon this uh, something on Twitter that had me laughing out loud in my car. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you see somebody alone in a, and they're uproariously laughing. I guess nowadays we don't think much of it because you, you know there's various sources they could be uh, laughing at as opposed to being insane. Um, and this is about, I s don't like giving her any publicity, but let's, for those of you who aren't in Pittsburgh, um, there is a, uh, on-air personality here uh, named Wendy Bell, who uh, was the anchor woman for one of the local television stations here, um, and she lost her job in a, uh, yeah, it was a just a flaming fiasco of uh, circumstances, but in which she clearly um, exhibited, as far as I'm concerned, and clearly WTAE television thought the same, that uh, she's a racist, she's a elitist, you know, looks down her nose, she's just a know-it-all asshole is what it amounts to. Um, so she wandered in the, uh, in the unemployed uh, desert for a while. I think, is she still suing the station? I think she is still suing the station for, I think, race discrimination. She thinks she was she was let go because she was white. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, of course, the idiot uh, big 50,000-watt blowhard radio station here uh, has finally brought Wendy in from the cold and has uh, given her a... Um, a sort of co-anchor uh, job on, on their, I guess, afternoon radio. I haven't heard it myself. So she is already engendering the kind of, <laughs> she's just, that woman's got a knack. So this is what set it off, I guess. She's, she's very big on social media. Um, in fact, she's got a million followers or something. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people, especially women of a certain whatever, who thinks she's like, uh, you know, brilliant and uh, a fount of wisdom on all things having to do with life and friends and domesticity and motherhood and all of that. Um, so sh Wendy uh, tweeted, when was this? Today is the 11th. Wendy tweeted Wednesday night this. Moms, weigh in here. Whether we work or stay at home, putting together the machinations of every night's dinner is one of the toughest parts of our day. Working dads don't think about what to feed the kids. <coughs> That's Wendy. And my God, the deluge that has occurred, almost all from men, of course. <coughs> um, you know, straightforward 
ones like I'm a dad and I cook dinner every weeknight and I average 40 to 50 hour work weeks. It's not that complicated. It's actually one of the best parts of my day. So that's just somebody just saying, what the F are you talking about? And then there's this. Yeah, I just put an open jar of peanut butter on the floor and assume the kids will figure it out. But you've clearly rebounded from the woefully misguided and antiquated thinking that ended your last gig. <laughs> so, well done. I, so, uh, some guy tw tweeting, wow, are you out of touch. My wife and I jointly decide on the menu for the week. We take turns cooking throughout the week. Both of us work full time. Here's a woman who finally responds, and she says, Wendy, why are you the way you are? Uh, here's another. <laughs> I have to hand it to you, man. You know how to build a brand. I mean, sure, that brand is tone-deaf, privileged, suburban white lady, but no one does it better than you. And apparently KDKA Radio is willing to pay for it. Um... And here is my, this is the one that just got me howling. Uh, some guy tweets, Wendy, the switch from racism to sexism is refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. And here's another person. Wait, so if a kid has two moms, does that kid get two dinners? And if another kid has two dads, that kid never gets fed? Uh, oh, and this has to do with what she said about a black waiter uh, busboy at a restaurant she went to that exacerbated the problem that got her fired. And those of us in the know will get this one. This is from William Yester. Oh, don't worry about cooking dinner, Wendy. Wendy, go out to a nice restaurant and get, get one of those nice colored boys to wait on you. Then you can leave a 10% tip and tell the world about how generous you are. She is an unbelievable asshole. Wow. What is this, 1950, somebody says? I believe uh, a city paper has actually responded to her as well. I mean, you want to know uh, uh, what an out-of-touch, privileged, sure of herself. I'm sure she finds herself very, you know, wise, tolerant, even liberal. You want to see what that looks like? Man, she is, she's just amazing and absolutely clueless. She's uh, uh, married to a um, very highly respected uh, cardiologist, I think, because yeah, I know some people who go to him, and consequently, because they like him so much, they def they 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 give Wendy a break. But um, I'm sorry, <laughs> she she's just awful, just fucking awful. Leave it to KDKA, man. Whoever decides who who programs that station, Jesus, God Almighty. All right, I'll stop. 
we got our average Joe coming in uh, today, Joe Pebo, uh, coming in in a little bit, and um, we'll wing stuff some stuff uh, by him. Uh, the thing we were talking about yesterday about uh, I I'm gonna take I've gotten some very thoughtful pieces on it um, by you and it's good I mean this is I, I this is the way I like to do talk it's throwing things out there that uh, make us all think it can be so uncomfortable <laughs> it can be so frustrating when things aren't easy and pat, you know, and almost nothing is easy and pat, despite our constant efforts to make them so. Uh, talk about uh, some things not being easy. Uh, our Commander-in-Chief, uh, of course, is tweeting uh, today. But this one I saw right after I I, um, I woke up, even though it's from last night. And I don't even understand what he's talking. I mean, I literally don't know what he's saying. I mean, he's, here it is. Maybe one of you can translate it for me. We lose 300 Americans a week. 90% of which comes through the southern border. <laughs> Hello? Think about that. That makes zero sense. We lose 300 Americans a week, 90% of which comes through the southern border. 90% of 300 lost Americans come through the southern border. What's he talking about? Jeez. <coughs> we lose 300. I mean, really, I sat and looked at it and looked at it. Right. We lose 300 Americans a week, 90% of which comes through the southern border. These numbers will be drastically reduced. That's caps. If we have a wall, we lose 300 of, what the fuck is he talking about? Did you say I have a call? I'm sorry. Hello, caller. I'm sorry. Hello? 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 Hey, uh, hey so that's interesting because uh, I, I listened to your show from yesterday multiple times. I had my wife listen to it with me, thinking maybe there's something wrong with me, and we couldn't figure out what you were talking about. <laughs> um, about like, <laughs> so why why were you so upset? I listened to it again this morning, trying oh to figure dear. out why you're so upset that people put those signs in their yard. It's not I was uh, upset. No, I'm not upset. Well, and you I, no. went on about it for quite a while. Okay, and in fact, as I thought, I thought I said that you know, people, when they put up those signs, because those people are my f friends and neighbors, um, they do it yeah, because they want to show, you know, that we're not, Don that we're not Donald Trump. It. No, I didn't say you're only right, doing but you're it. you're saying the only reason that somebody would do that, according to your show yesterday. I don't think I said the only reason. To promote them 
yeah, you did. You said that, that to promote themselves, so you said it was the equivalent of someone proposing at a football game in front of a video camera. Well, now you're taking, you you're show. taking, I know, but no, you're, you're conflating a lot of things. Look, I'm talking off the cuff. I started by saying I can't stand the way that our culture has become this all about, you know, uh, letting the world know, know what's going on in your so head and your heart. You know who every single one of those people is that has one of those signs. No, of course I don't. Okay, now, listen. You're engaging in uh, some serious, sophistic, uh, you know, argument strategies here. I don't here. know more so than you were yesterday with that topic. Like, you, like, said that all those people just want to promote themselves. That's why they have those signs. I don't even know. I didn't. You signs. keep making it sound as if I did a, you know, e again, a black and white and easy pat. I, sa I, I said I sometimes... Well, you can I said three times. Okay, exactly well, God, I don't. Is. So you're a glutton for punishment. I don't know what. I can't even imagine doing that. I seriously doubt that you well, did. No, I couldn't either. I was like, wow. So all those people who have those signs up around the town, city are like, I mean, I'm in a building right now that has them outside their offices. You're saying, and and another thing, like, no, when somebody's doing something that's morally wrong, and I'm. I don't even know what your point was with that either. So somebody, we should just congratulate people whose morals are horrific. Oh dear, I don't know what to say uh, because I think. I mean, I didn't know. What I to obviously say after listening to that okay. Either, well, I had no idea what your point was. Okay, well, I think I obviously your point was failed. Completely lost. Okay, obviously, and um, if if that's what you got from it, then I really failed. Uh, to communicate well, the, and what I was thinking. First of all, it, let me just like say this. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just say this. What I was saying was not something like either or. Like the people who put these signs out are a bunch of self-involved, self-congratulatory uh, people that are uh, that are p doing it to show their moral superiority or something like that. I'm telling you that. I think in j I was using the signs as just an for instance of how I was trying to understand how certain people hate our side of the the great divide. Yes. And I was talking but about so how I think liberals because well, I was talking about that. I'm trying to understand why do they hate us so much because they do they hate our guts and a lot of us return the favor and yet when we meet <clears throat> individually it's harder to sustain that kind of hatred because lo and behold they turn out to be human beings and I just wanted to say we're all a bunch of friggin human beings all our motivations are not necessarily pure none of us are necessarily thinking straight all the time it's not simple. It's what I was saying. Nothing's simple. But I think the right. sort of so self-satisfaction that we get from showing that we're good people, don't tell me that that's not part of it. It may very well be with some well, people, but I, it, certainly you've completely left out the possibility that a significant portion of the people putting out those signs just put it out so that maybe those the 
people who might be facing that don't think that they're completely alone and that maybe there are people that disagree. But here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. I understand that. The, but, I, but here is what I failed to say, damn it. If someone, people putting up those signs in the east end of Pittsburgh can not argue that they're putting them up so that some poor people might think, you, you know what I mean? We live in, uh, in the east end of Pittsburgh, progressives, liberals, uh, reign supreme. So that's where you see the most signs. It's like, yeah. you know, do 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 you ever drive outside the city and see the pro-Trump signs that are still up? I, oh, God. I mean, how is that different? I am, what I want to say is it takes nothing to be in the East End in a progressive neighborhood and put a sign in your front yard saying, I'm a good person and I welcome all. First of all, that's bullshit because there's plenty of people you right. wouldn't welcome, right? So, I mean, those, you know, oh, oh, well, and is if no hate here, no place for hate, as if any house on the street can claim that there's no one in that house who hates something, somebody, or whatever. I just, it's this, look, uh, here's where it would take, so here's much. where it would take courage. Wait a minute. If you were somebody living in Outside of the city, as you said, where all those Trump signs are. If you would put one of those signs that I see all over my neighborhood, all are welcome here, and it, it's in Arabic, and it's in Spanish, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's an act of some courage. Well, I can drive you to some if you want to go on a ride. They're out there. They're much fewer and further between, but they're there. Good, and that requires some Courage. That's an action that I would say, wow, good for you. In my neighborhood, I think, who the well, fuck you talking to? That's, I mean, it's, it's singing to the choir. And in that, the singing to the choir stuff is why I think it's a lot about feeling, advertising yourself as being a good person. I'm not condemning anybody who doesn't. I'm asking uncomfortable questions of people. That's all. What's our real motivation here? Look, what no good does that sign do? There was no idea what. There was. What does the sign do? What good does the sign I mean, what, do? What does any sign do? Like, it does the same thing as every other sign. Uh, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know what like you're I saying. Don't. I don't know what you're saying. I mean, first of all, I have no idea who live in most of those houses in the East End that have those signs. So if they're doing it to promote themselves, they're not doing a particularly good job unless they're standing next to the sign. Okay. You're taking my words and absolutely refusing to acknowledge what I'm saying or trying to say. I'm obviously. So we're not going to. We. Uh, I, well, if you're saying that people could do more than just put up a sign, yeah, I agree. But you don't know that none of those people are doing those things. That's right. That's true. Listen, I. You know what? I'm going to pull a Donald Trump and say bye-bye because we're not going to get anywhere. I have another caller, too. I'm sorry that you took such offense and that I failed to communicate. But uh, do, do yourself a favor and do not listen to that show again, okay? I'm sorry. Okay, do we have another caller? Caller? Hello? Oh, hey, is that me? I guess it's you. Me? Hey, 
real briefly, I just want to say I've thought about this, seeing these signs, and one could, and I have been on a walk in in Squirrel Hill with people saying, "Why are people putting up these signs here? It is self-serving." Blah blah blah. I see it very differently, and I think this is what's important. Why, even if they are in this area, and I think it ties into this huge picture of the media. What voices, if you turn on a radio in Pittsburgh, can I listen to Lynn Cullen on the radio anymore like I did 20 years ago? No, I cannot. The fact that I'm, I'm listening to on a podcast, right? But I can turn on the radio and I can find right-wing talk all over the place. That is like putting up signs. We have no voice. And that is a huge factor. Yes, it would be nice. And I do see those signs planted out in the middle of, like, the boonies at times. I wish we could see more of them. But that's almost like that's a whole other issue. Um, but it is a voice that is not heard anywhere else in the, in the public sphere. But the right-wing message is out there all over the place. Oh. We have absolutely no counterparts. Well, on radio, that's true. So I see it as a good thing. All right. Because it's like at least there's a voice out there. It may be concentrated here, but people can, maybe can't hear it, but they can see the words. All right. Okay, just that's Bye. Bye. Thank you. You know, I'm thinking, remember I prefaced all of this yesterday by saying I've, this has been gnawing at me, these feelings I've had, these thoughts, and, I, and I've been reluctant to bring them up, and now I see why. <laughs> um... Who said what we have here is a failure to communicate? <laughs> because uh, that's what we got here. Let me get to some emails. Jeez. I want to tell you, too, that I'm having, and I suppose it was brought on by the stress of that call, I'm having what's called a visual aura right now. Um, my eyesight is going, there's sparkly little circles in front of my everything I'm looking at. and. Um, Usually this presages a um, migraine headache. <laughs> uh, not always with me. I mean, sometimes it just sort of, what I, it, it ends and I end up sort of an upset stomach. But um, you think that this doesn't affect me? It does. I, it, I, it's dry, it, obviously, the fact that that caller, that I absolutely failed. I know what I was saying was provocative, but I didn't mean it in some, oh, God, I don't know. Maybe if we'd all been stoned, it would have done better. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, Milton writes, and Milton, thank you for that long uh, response you sent me. Um, I'm still digesting it. Um, and I, I truly appreciate you taking the time, but Milton ended up really spending time thinking about what I'd said, and he totally disagreed with what I said yesterday, too. But, and listening to me uh, uh, wrestling with this first caller, he says, Lynn, the caller, it seems, has decided to ignore all of the nuance, right, that your show uh, yesterday engendered. Right. I mean, that's what was... I have a friend who argues like that. He just totally 
mows over any parenthetical, uh, all adjectives, and, and comes out with this sort of stark uh, accusation of what I said that has been stripped of all of its, you know, my wrestling with the nuance of it. Anyway, I, I agree, Milton. Th that conversation was not about signs. It was about intent. He just didn't want to hear it. And it's true what he was saying, that I don't know the intent of anybody who put up those signs. I mean, some of them are in my friend's yards. <laughs> so I have a better understanding of their intent, and it was well intended. I was talking about, even if well attended, can we look intended? Can we look at the self involved stuff that more and more makes us state who we are so that we feel good about ourselves. And I would argue in many cases superior. I obviously, this was a effing minefield I should not have entered. Uh, we have another call. Er. Hello. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike in D.C. I didn't listen to yesterday's show. Oh. Damn it. Now I have to go back and listen to it. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, might anyway. hate me. you might hate my guts after it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm serious. I doubt it. Well, people who often agree uh, with me did not, so it, it was whatever. Um, so, but I'm calling to, to, to talk about that issue that you just mentioned about how you'll say one phrase and someone will go off the races on that phrase and lose the nuance. There's a book called The Five Love Languages. Have you heard this? No. Heard about this book? No, no. It's a book they give to couples, usually in couple, when they need couples counseling, and it teaches people which one of these five things do you value most makes you feel loved. Words, like um, the exact way you say something, um, acts of kindness, meaning did you do the dishes, um, gifts, did you buy me a little trinket, um, de um, I forget what the other two are. Okay. But people usually who are so wrapped around a phrase you say when and miss the larger arc are people who words are really important to them. And if you say losing weight versus gaining weight, they'll get all, all pissed off because you used the wrong phrase. And I see it a lot with my friends, and I say to them, you're a words of encouragement person, aren't you? And they're like, huh? And we talk about that book. So some people get their approval or their validation by the words that other people say to them. Now, to me, I don't give a sh you know, it doesn't matter to me what you say. It matters to me how you treat me. Exactly. And the things that you do to make me know you care. But for some people, that's how they feel validated or approved by words that other people say. Okay. And you are definitely not a words person. Well, it brings me to my favorite story about Susan's son uh, when he was a little kid. And um, he was uh, coming home from Sunday school. He was in the back seat. I've told this story before. And his father uh, said to him, what did you learn in, in Sunday school today? And from the back seat came 
three words. Deeds, not creeds. And the father said, well, what does that mean to you, deeds, not creeds? And there's a pause, and then from the back seat, <laughs> the, the creeds, they're the bad guys. <laughs> the words there yeah deeds not creeds it's what you do it's the act it's why i have such a problem with um a religion that says if you just simply you know for me uh being a good person is all about what have you done what do you do when you stand before god at the pearly gates is he going to say uh, yeah, you know, did you say these three magic words so you can go to heaven? Or what? Or did you help people in your life? Deeds, not creeds. So there. But that's your personality. And some people's personality really is words. If you say to them, you look nice today, their face will light up like you just gave them a million dollars. If you say to me, you look nice today, I'm like, yeah, thanks. What did you do this weekend? Okay. And I had no changing them. There's no trying to convince them that they're wrong. Okay. That, okay. Hey, I got to run because I got to get my average Joe in here. Um, but thank you, as always. Appreciate okay. it. <laughs> Bye. Perfect. Bye. And just quickly catching up on some uh, Wendy Bell emails that have come in. Chris writes, I was wondering when you were going to bring up good old Wendy. Dear Lord, does she set women back 50 years? I only put Katie on for the news and happened to catch some of her show with Marty Griffin. At first I thought this has to be an act, <laughs> but after 10 minutes of listening to her go on and on about her kids, yeah, really, she is repulsive. I truly, I realize that she, she is who she truly is. I wanted to vomit after listening to her. I couldn't turn the dial quickly enough to end the torture. Excuse me. I never, ever liked Marty but she had me feeling sorry for him to have to put up with that for four hours a day. Well, not really sorry for him. He deserves his co-host. I couldn't help but wonder what would Doug Hurth say, oh God, about the state of talk radio today. God, I miss that TAE lineup from way back when. The old adage is right. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah. Uh, Aaron writes, Nothing more needs to be said about Ms. Bell, of course. Gag. I gave Lynn Hayes Freeland's show a try and just can't do it. I like her a lot, but she barely gets a chance to speak before she has to cut to some bullshit like entertainment news or traffic or weather and endless advertising. You know what? For the first time yesterday, I caught her show, too, because I like Lynn. And I think I heard her voice once. It's exactly that. It's totally programmed, so it, it's not a real talk show. I don't know what the hell it is. It's an advertising vehicle. That's all it is. Um, and uh, Aaron says, I think she's able to do a four-hour set because she hardly gets a chance to speak. That's right. At one point, they cut back to her, and she was eating something. <laughs> I wish her all the best and definitely better than this gig. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, and little Tony on Wendy, I have listened to her and her co-host for a couple minutes here and there. Their show is ten times worse than I thought it would be. 
total disaster. I would rather listen to static. She makes me ill. <laughs> Whoever made the changes at that station should be shown the door. I don't want to hear about her kids or Marty's kids. Both her and Marty have one thing in common. They're in love with themselves. Oh, okay. Hey, Joe! What? No, it's okay. He's coming. Joe Pivo, in you come. Always at his button. We're, we're, I don't know, people have been screaming at me, so, um, shut up. <laughs> you didn't happen to hear yesterday's show, did you? A couple minutes of it. Okay, well, I, I don't know if we want to revisit it, but I was saying that a lot of, um, people who work with their hands, like you, uh, look down, actually, on people who work, you know, pushing paper around and, uh, you know, because, in fact, they aren't producing anything. And, and I said, and it goes both ways, that a lot of people with educations who push papers around and, you know, bloviate on, look down their nose at people who work with their hands that there is this maybe almost mutual contempt that is at work a bit. Do you think there's any truth in that? Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, but by the same token, I have a bunch of friends, like I know uh, some architects. And they'll call me up and ask me, hey, what about this? They're not looking down their nose. No, they need your expertise. Yeah, right. No, 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 yeah, I know. So, so those are woke or architects. But we, we yeah, I mean, or... I don't know. It was my brother who first put this in my head because he said when he has to, like, call a plumber to come to his house, he f my brother feels, like, hum sort of humiliated. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. He is self-aware enough to be humiliated that he is totally at the mercy, not the mercy, he needs help. He can't do basic things, even if he's a friggin', you know, intellectual genius or something. And he felt his way of dealing with that is assuming that the plumber looked at him with absolute derision. Now, you don't know. Some plumbers might. Some might not. Mm -hmm. But that I think that derision can go both ways. Oh, certainly. Uh I guess it's another uh, part of our whole society, all these splits we have and schisms and that. And um, I don't know, it has to be. Uh, there's a, like that, I can't remember, some quote from the 50s or something where, uh, like some Dixiecrat says, as long as we give these white people somebody that's under them, yeah. you know, by introducing racism, they'll, you know, they'll feel superior. And, and right. I think a, they, somebody has used that almost on le every level. When you look at, uh, uh, you know, all the commentary and the way people talk, if you look at the Fox News, there's, they're trying to put that, that underlies divide, everything. Divide and conquer. Yeah. So you get the working class to fight each other. Mm -hmm. um, and then the guy, it, it to be, you know, so that the white worker thinks the black worker is somehow mm -hmm. getting a leg up, which is rarely the case, guys. Um, 
So I, I yeah, and we get played. You get played by mm-hmm. the guys on top. Yeah. That's the way it works. And yeah. we, we do get into it. But I, I don't know. I got in a lot of trouble for saying that. Like, I, I just hate the sort of self-involvement uh, that's all over the land these days where people... I mean, do you think that, like, liberals come off as self-righteous? Um, not, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I know that many liberals to make that. But if I look on TV and just, uh, well, like, let's look at Hillary. We, we were talking about yeah, her last okay. time. Um, you know, I saw her in an interview. She sat down with, like, Barbara Walters or some lady, and they had this nice little talk, and and uh, Hillary seemed, you know, I, I liked her, I liked listening to her. But then, you know, she was in that debate, and she's like uptight. She doesn't, I don't know if she knows how to hold herself. She didn't know how to respond to Trump. Uh, well, she was trying to navigate the waters of how does a woman present herself as a leader in a culture that sees her as a or something a bitch yeah. or uh, a flighty woman uh, you know just name the you know misogynistic uh, misanthropic that's not even scraping the, the top but that's good enough right um, but look at there's um, there's that Acacia <laughs> I'm like you I'm thinking how okay Alexandria Ocasia Cortez. If you see it in writing, it's easy. Yeah, but I, I've not really heard it said. So I, and and she's starting to be known as just A O C, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's the youngest woman in Congress. Um, and man, she's got a yeah, she's got a mouth on her <laughs> attitude. What um, do you think of her? It'll be exciting when she gets herself in trouble and let's see her dig her, dig her butt out of it. Do you which not I think she'll be able to? Yeah. Uh, but I just. Heard what do you her, think of her? Though? I just heard her talking about um, uh, the issue of taxation, where yeah, uh, it was like, uh, and I remember in elementary school learning about this. It was like a an eighty or ninety percent tax. Yes, yes. We oh. were. I actually was talking on Tuesday about this, the graduated income tax, and how most Americans don't understand it. Those high tax rates were only on money, the money over, let's say, which what she's saying is we should bring 70% tax bracket back. That means if you make over $10 million a year, mm-hmm. anything over $10 million is taxed at 70%. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well... There's very few people who are going to be paying that, but they got the money. I mean, right. my God. Right. Then they can take that money and invest it back into companies and buy equipment or hire more people instead well, of giving it to their Shareholders. CEOs. That's all they do. Uh, shareholders and their executives. So there's no, no sense anymore that there's workers involved in the making of that. Pro- whatever it... It, there's a sense now that the the capitalists don't understand that they have nothing without labor. They, I think they used to understand that. Well, I, 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 I don't. Hard, that's hard to say. Hey, my phone's buzzing in my pocket because I turned it off, and I'm going to start laughing because it's tickling me. <laughs> I got to set it over there. 
Could you see I just wanted to start well, I, laughing? <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't go, woo! <laughs> uh, That's funny. So there's some, uh, there's some uh, quote by some guy, uh, before capital ever was, there was labor. And I think it's like this re great Republican made this quote, you know, what? based on the importance of labor. Before yeah. capital ever was, there was labor. Yeah. And it was like Abraham Lincoln, a Republican. Yeah, you don't hear well, he ain't a Republican like uh, it, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. He went, I mean, God. Here, some, uh, Milton has sent this quote to Lyndon Johnson. I'll tell you what's at the bottom of it. If you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on, and he'll even empty his pockets for you. That's... Yeah. Oh, so it was LBJ. I was going to try to read his uh, biography. That's like a giant book. Oh, yeah. It's over at my mom's house. I'm going to try to read that. but uh, I think it comes in, I don't know which one. There's like, I think yeah. the guy's still, isn't he still working on a final one? I think so. Or did he? I think so. Who is that, Dalek? I can't remember. Yeah. I, I, I cannot <laughs> wade in to books that I, I just can't. Yeah, I, I, can't I have. Do it. Uh, I try to read as much as I can, but I read last year. I read this book, and I've been reading about World War II. Uh, had a lot of interest in in uh, the history around World War II. I had a couple uncles that were in the war, and they they talked to me occasionally about it. But I was reading a book about what, you know, Hitler split everything up and took these ethnic poles out of Germany and put them back in Poland and took Germans back to Italy and took everybody all around and screwed everything up. <coughs> and after that, they tried to put everybody back where they were. And there was this thing called UNRWA, uh, United Nations uh, Refugee yeah. Just. And I started reading this book about this, and I got about halfway through, and it was so interesting. This author just started going into very, very deep detail about all the people involved, and it just I had to stop reading it. It was too detail-oriented. I haven't been able to read a stinking book since then. See, I don't, I rarely, you made me think of my obit of the day. People are dying to get in the paper. Yeah, <laughs> well, 99. Samuel Snipes. You ever heard of him? I don't think no, so. No, me either. He was quite a guy. He was a Quaker peace activist and a conscientious objector during oh, wow. World War II. But listen to what he did after the war. He worked for the United Nations, exactly the group you're talking about, wow. in Germany, helping to relocate refugees and escorting trainloads of displaced people returning from ghettos and concentration camps to their homes in Poland and Hungary. So this was a guy who, yeah, tried to repatriate all these people who had been, who survived, but had been upended uh, by, by Hitler. But he's best known for, after that, do you, have you ever heard of Levittown? Yeah. Yeah. So this was this whole, uh, this was after World War II. Was he the guy that tried to get the black people into Levittown? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. So in the 50s, um, Levittown was supposed to be, you know, these, uh, the guy who created, and there's more than one. There's one in Pennsylvania, there's one in New Jersey. Uh, Levittown was to be, here it is, the most perfectly planned community in America. And that would mean, of course, no black folks, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Levittown in Pennsylvania, Levittown, PA, somehow a black family, Daisy and Bill Myers, bought one of the homes, and they moved in, and, of course, all, holy hell, broke loose. This is white people at their most uh, re- just dis- disgusting. The family arrived on August 13, 1957, sparked weeks of unrest, harassment, cross burnings, screaming, spitting protesters outside their home. At one point, Snipes, who was their lawyer, at one point, Snipes actually had to hold back a mob until police arrived. The governor of Pennsylvania ended up calling out the National Guard. No, he didn't. The state police, excuse me. And these poor people stood their ground. What brave people. Why would they want to, you know, the question is always, why would you want to live amongst this sea of hateful white people? You got your foot in a door. You want to make, well, they're they're heroic. They're heroic. They were going, going in there knowing they would have to make that. Yeah make that stand. Yeah, so that was the first, he represented the first black family to move into that all-white, perfect little Eden of Levitt Town. So that's interesting that you said that about the United Nations. Like a small world. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and 99 years old, so, you know, the the good sometimes don't, uh, you know, die for, why, you know, it seems like a lot of good people die young. Yeah, and a yeah, lot of yeah, but you know that's because we mi- I mean yeah, that's bullshit. Right. I think right. Yeah, of course, it's just one of those dumb old sayings we say that yeah makes us feel smarter. Or something. Yeah. So why do you have all this time off? Uh, well, they were uh, there was uh, they were slow, and uh, who's they? Uh, oh wow, okay. So and uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's it's a lack of work is what it is, and so I can get unemployment. Geez, I thought construction everywhere I look in this town, some ugly buildings we going up. Uh, there, you know, sometimes there's scheduling errors. <laughs> there's, something you mean I, that, what? there's something I don't want to say on the air. Okay, okay. <laughs> you mean it's the, the it guys be, in the in the suits? It can be weather. Yeah, it can be weather, so but, the we- you know, I so bet you're glad you don't have to be out. and. I don't care. I'll you know? Go, I'll go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like uh, I don't know. It keeps you pretty focused when it's cold out on what are you what you're doing, you know, and getting through the day. So it actually, the day can go pretty fast when you're freezing your. <laughs> stuff. Oh God! <laughs> so I was thinking. Um, oh, here Milton is so great. He's got another quote. <coughs> oh right, the LBJ author is Robert Caro. He wrote four major books. Um, And this is another quote from um, Lincoln on labor. Labor is prior to and independent of capital. Capital is only the fruit of labor and could never have existed if labor had not first existed. Labor is the superior of capital Mm -hmm. and deserves much the higher consideration. God, how far are we gone down? 
Capital has its rights, which are as worthy of protection as any other rights. But labor is the superior. We flip that in. Um, no, I'd I'd like to investigate that quote and see it in more context. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was, um, you know, when the date when was the date of this? Maybe he was I don't know. Just speaking to it would be the eight, 1800s. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. He, he may be talking about slavery here. You know, he may be using that somehow to refer to slavery. Uh, oh. I, I would think the more I think about it. So maybe that but he no, but he he wouldn't be calling unpaid labor the superior. Of, you think? It could be. The, hey, Melton. Could be the basis. Give us of more the, context if you can. <laughs> could be the basis of uh, you know starting to lead into the Emancipation Proclamation or something to do with, huh. with that. Hey, I had I wrote down some questions. Something I wanted a couple things when you asked me to come on, and I wrote these down like a couple months. Go ago. ahead, do it. Put on my glasses. Well, the first one. This is funny because I lost this for a couple months. Will you? Will Sally Wigan come on your show and cuss after she retires? No. <laughs> I don't think she will. No, she won't. I think one of the funniest things is you cuss and she, you could see. Yeah, her. you. <laughs> Go back and watch the video. <laughs> well, she's been so schooled in, in uh, you know, FCC regulations and being mm. an anchor woman <laughs> who's not, you know, supposed. So she just, yeah, she, she can't necessarily <laughs> relax drink. about it. She's not much of a cusser anyway. Good. You know, um, uh, uh, what's the, there's one more quote I'm going to throw out there. Uh, uh, what's the fancy word for cussing? Uh, a fancy word for cussing? Yeah. What the heck is Other it? Swearing ain't fancy. Um, uh, uh, what? the heck is that word? Darn it. Oh, you mean like uh, uh, a... CSL or CRL, CRS. Can't remember. CRS. Shit. Can't remember shit. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, profanity. Or blasphemy or something. Profanity. Okay, is profanity. The, uh, is the, uh, ma profanity makes ignorance audible. Oh. My mom had that on her, on her wall. Profanity makes ignorance audible. So they're saying that people who resort to profanity yeah. are idiots. I disagree. I think uh, profanity was put there because it has some power, mm -hmm. and it's a way of underscoring um, a thought. Um, I, I think I don't have a problem with profanity, especially when I say it. Okay. We have a caller, but how are we gonna, how's Joe going to hear here. All right. Caller, go ahead. Whoops. It's a little tight there. Caller, are you there? Hello? Oh, God. After all that, they hung oh. up. Okay. Well, give me a... <laughs> Thanks. Give me another one of your things. Okay. Let's see. Oh, okay. Here's another one. I went to... Oh, um, did you know Margaret Miniman? Miniman? No. Okay, I thought she might have been. She was a poet, and I think, I think she used to sometimes call your show, but I'm not sure. Maybe it was somebody lady that sounded like her. I just wondered if you knew her. Well, I mean, she. I didn't know her. No, but you'd be surprised all the people who I know that I say I didn't know because I have a bad again. Can't remember what you just say. CSL. Right, whatever that is. Can't remember shit. See, I I don't know. I can't. Okay, so uh, there's, I wrote this down. Um, I was in I was in uh, Warsaw in Poland a couple years ago, 
Wow. And uh, I'm walking around, and on these buildings, there's like these little shields with people's names and a date on it. Maybe there's three names, maybe there's six names and a date, and they were all between like 1938 and 1945. And I uh -oh. knew right away what they were. That can't be good. That I knew right good. away what they were. They were all over. They were the names of the people who were taken from Executed those? right at that spot. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't get anybody to tell me what they were. You're kidding me. You know, people were like, oh. 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 So uh, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, Isn't that you know, something? they leveled that city. Those Nazis bastards leveled that city. And then they went back and blew it up again. There was nothing left. There's a, at the Warsaw Uprising Museum, they have this um, 3D, like they fly an airplane over the city and, you know, in the middle of 1945, and there's like nothing there's left. Nothing you go there. up on this tower, and you see this city, and there's like one house way over there yeah. that was left. Mm -hmm. That's unbelievable. But if you go into the countryside, a lot of that survived, um, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, beautiful country. But there was this artist, I can't remember his name, but he's Italian, and he uh, he did a little right in the in the Warsaw Ghetto. He did a little. It's behind glass. And it's a little, looks just like Hitler kneeling there praying in front of a cross asking for forgiveness. And it's like, holy crap. I mean, it's like, and it raises up a lot of questions. But uh, he attacks the church a lot with his art. He had a, um, it was in a museum in a castle. I went to see it. He does all these lifelike, there was a horse um. on, life-size horse on the floor with a, you know, post with that inra the cross yeah high nra going right down through the horse and the horse is is very very um so what were you doing in warsaw just touristing i had a um i had a a friend and sh she married this um call him the limey bastard but he she married an englishman and he she moved to to uh Warsaw? She what? moved to Paris, France to live. How kick-ass is that? So she was there about five years. And she'd always say, you got to come to Paris. And I, what do I want with Paris? You know what, what do you mean? mean? Uh, well, you got some idea of Paris is just a bunch of, what, effete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why do you think I call ah! gay Perry? But um, I always said to her, if you ever go to Warsaw, I'll come. Why Warsaw? Oh, because you're, War okay, okay. But Paris, for somebody who appreciates art as much as you do, is just a gold mine. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that might be my only shot to get to. And uh, I okay. just thought, you know, if you ever go to Poland, so. I'm in. So they got me digs, and I went and visited them. Her, um, uh, it was really cool because it had to do with this play, and I got to visit with all these famous actors from Poland, and it was really, really cool. And they knew, like, all the cool restaurants to go to, so I had enough cash where I could go and eat in all these fancy pants restaurants and it was like like a nice laid out dinner was like less than 40 bucks you know and fresh fish and all this great food it was wonderful but there's a caveat when you're on vacation you know you could eat somebody could slip you a wendy's burger and you think it was the best thing you ever <laughs> so there's a problem who knows how good the food was but i had a great time you know there's some truth in that yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're spending all the money and time it better be the best so you just say it's the well but it it often i mean is here's some context it was in the state of the union address 1861 um uh I, I don't see anything about slavery in there but i'm not gonna read the whole thing 
I can okay. send it to you later. Sure. Um, here's the piece you were talking. Uh huh. Um, wait a minute. I just oh okay. Uh, more Joe. Just had a thought. Sarah Palin had Joe the plumber. Let's not even go there. He put the crack in plumber's crack. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have Joe the roofer. I I like well we, you're, average uh, not average Joe. Um, what are you? We could yeah give you a brand. Make him once a month guest. Don't forget Sally needs to be once a month. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. See you and Sally are gonna be once a month or something. Um, okay. Uh, there, there was one other thing I went to the in, in Warsaw. I went to the uh, Warsaw uprising, which was a. Uh, you mean the ghetto uprising? What uh, do you this mean? Was a, this was what was left of the Polish army and the Polish resistance. Hitler had um, he had overextended himself. He was east of the Vistula River into Russia, and. Uh, they had kind of left Warsaw on their own. There was some offensive or defensive against the Russians, so Warsaw was left on it. And they had this uprising. Uh, it lasted like 45 days, and, you know, through radio broadcasts, the Russia and the Allies were promising help, and they didn't. They never it. showed. They just let them all get murdered, and it's very heroic. But there's one thing in there that was, like, really amazing. There's all these guns in this room, and next to these guns are these people, and they have these code names. And I'm looking at this, and I couldn't figure out here they had given these people this gun, and that was their responsibility to hide this gun in their house and take care of this gun all through the war until they were needed, yeah. and they brought them back out. It gets a little weirder. Uh, you know, I, I like watch people and listen to them, you know, Neb and stuff. And there was a, this guy, I assume he was American, and he was with this girl. I don't know if they were boyfriend or girlfriend or what their deal was, but he's like, you you let them come and take your guns. And she's like, what? He's like, you let them come and take your guns. And the girl's going, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, I'd have fought them. I'd have fought them off. She's like, 30 guys with machine guns came and put a gun to your kid's head. Oh, no, this guy's going, like, uh, yeah, big mouth. Big mouth, not, you know, yeah. And it was like a real eye-opener. You like, know, when <laughs> you go over and you see what people, what people in their lives have had to deal with and the courage that many displayed not all god knows i mean and we none of us know right. do we know mm -mm. how we would i've always been blown away at people who risk their lives for others like the people who sheltered you know jewish kids and stuff when their own kids if they were found out would be i can who would do that I think just things happen, and without you make a yeah. It's like you just do, but th those people are uh, in the minority, I would guess. And these blustering idiots who do yeah. Why would you? Yeah, I guess. You what did you? Did, what'd you think of the uh, the rally, the gun rights rally um, uh, here? Oh uh, uh, yeah, I'm for any kind of protest or. Uh, social, what do you call it? Social protest. Protest yeah. or you, you like people? You like oh, people yeah, showing yeah. their. And yeah. I actually think though they did a, you know, I think there was concern that they might not be under control. They they did their protest. There. I'm. What the hell happened? So. Uh, that's how it goes. 
Well, you have to come back. We'll pick up where we left off. Yeah. <clears throat> I still there's still other couple things written down. Okay, here. ask me one more real okay. fast. Uh, uh, how about this one? I think there's intentional errors on the morning news. Uh, no. What do you I, mean? I just turn on for a couple minutes here and there, so I'm not fully focused. But uh, like the other day, I just turned on for the news and the lady said uh, for the weather, and the lady says Allegheny County uh, uh, intersection detection is moving up into Butler County in the Cranberry, and I'm like, what the hell could that be? So they're putting cameras on this intersection at 422, and you know there's that nasty intersection. I don't know who goes up yeah. there, but I have had to for work. And, you know, what the heck, nothing more was said about Allegheny. Well, here, Zapala uses the money he takes from arresting drug guys, and he put these cameras Puts it into cameras. And he's putting them up in, connected to our system, and it's supposed to help Allegheny County up in Butler County. So I don't, that seems like an art overreach of government. So I'd actually look it up on the Internet. Yeah, but what does that have to do with giving out false news? I thought it was, I thought... Like she never expounded on. Oh, it. you're just saying she you. you she they did a snippet that left you. It was a beginning <coughs> of the story. It was a beginning they, of the story. Well, never followed up with it. Like, it, what are you talking about, lady? Okay, well that happens a lot because they have a certain amount of time okay. to put a certain amount, of, and so they give you an uh, not the whole story, and they end up not educating or informing, but in fact confusing, and right? Confounding, yes. And confounding. Joe Pivo, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's fun. And um, you guys have a good weekend, and um, Joe will be back sometime when he can. And um, thank you for all your input um, over the last few days. I've enjoyed it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.